0: well good evening ladies and gentlemen this is the truckers podcast fyi i'm your host doug from ontario canada it is the 7th of september 2022 at 9 p.m thank you for joining me this evening and we'll continue this discussion about homelessness Ladies and gentlemen, I hope, uh, you know, here we are, hump day, the middle of the week, Wednesday, in between the both weekends, you know, some exciting fun coming to London, Ontario, it's the Western Fair, back finally after two years. It will be across the road from its original location. Plenty of things to do for the next nine days. Fair opens at 4 p.m. on Friday, the 9th, and it runs for nine days. So hope this nice weather that we're having can stay with us. And for all you fair goers out there, go out there and enjoy it. Go out there and have fun. And, um, yeah, earlier today in Saskatchewan, the RCMP arrested the individual that was involved in this mass killing spree in Northern Saskatchewan. They finally caught him, he's off the streets, and that's a good thing. And again, my my, my heartfelt condolences goes out to their families and their friends I'm so sorry for your loss. This was just unbelievable, unthinkable, just unimaginable crimes that were committed. Just unbelievable. So, if you're on my show last night, um, you know, we have a a homelessness crisis, not just in, on here in Ontario, Canada, but all across the country. We have a healthcare crisis. And on top of that, we have inflation. The cost of living is going up. The cost of everything you want to buy has gone up. Wages have gone up. But we're still lacking. Better pay. For all Canadians. You know I talked about last night that. You know the hidden. The hidden. Homelessness that you don't see. On any given night. Right across Canada, 50,000 Canadians are homeless. And these are the hidden homeless. These are the people you don't see. The uh, indigenous people of Canada... is the diversity of of cultures within First Nations. The Inuit, the Metis. First Nations refers to persons who identify such as who may or may not be federally registered under their title in the Indian Act, according to the Assembly of First Nations. And the First Nations population represents over 50 distinctive nations and languages groups and is made up of 634 First Nations communities or reserves. And the Inuit people are descended from the ancient Thule people and have occupied parts of Canada and the northernmost regions thousands of years before the European arrival. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host Doug from Ontario, Canada. Just before you came on the show too, um, if you haven't heard or you don't watch the news or read the news or, or whatever the case may be, over this long weekend, just a really sad day. Just, you know, It's like another really sad day here in Canada of the mass killings that happened in northern Saskatchewan. Two brothers went on a rampage and stabbed ten people to death. Injured over 19. His brother, his brother was later found deceased and not and not self-inflicted wounds. They captured this individual today. Finally caught him. And with that all going on, you know, everything in society, you know, I mean, we have a homeless crisis here in Canada. We have a healthcare crisis here in Canada. Inflation, of course, everywhere has gone up. It's making it a lot tougher for families to make ends meet. Trying to find out, you know, what are the what are the solutions to homelessness? What are groups, agencies, the government? What are their plans? Well, they say they have a ten year plan. well, this 10-year plan should have started 10 years ago. And maybe we wouldn't be talking about a homeless crisis. As though we wait for something to get really bad and then say, oh, we have to do something about it. We have to get all these 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 supports together, all these groups together, we have to get the government together. They have to bang their heads together to come up with some sort of solutions. Where did it begin? How did it happen? <clears throat> Everyday folks, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't matter where you come from in life, your walk of life. It doesn't matter. People are one paycheck away from becoming homeless. You know, just the other day, a a auto parts manufacturer here in the city of London, Ontario just announced that they are laying off 300 workers by the year's end. These are single people that work there. These are families. These people who work there have families. They have to pay rent or they have to pay mortgage. They have car payments, they have bill payments. 300. And a week prior to that, two gyms in the city of London, Ontario. Two. Same gym, but two different locations. 100 people out of a job. See, people who make... Minimum wage generally are living paycheck to paycheck. People are spending at least 50% of their wages to keep a roof over their head. And it should only be like 30%. 25 to 30%. Not 50%. And you see more people become, you know, more at risk of, of, of homelessness. And, and who are homelessness. They were, is homeless. The indigenous people. And the urban indigenous peoples experience homeless at a dis, at a dis, at a disproportionate rate, and make up significant percentage of the homeless populations in cities. Some sources have suggested that the indigenous homelessness in major urban areas range from twenty to fifty percent, and the total homeless po- of of the total homeless population. While others have reported that the range may be much wider from 11 to 96%. And this research that they did found that one in 15 in indigenous people in urban centers are homeless compared to one in 128 for the general population this means that the urban indigenous peoples are eight times more likely to experience homelessness housing conditions on reserves and then the metis in the inuit communities are often substandard some reachers and indigenous activists um, to state that on reserve housing should should be considered part of homelessness. Now, when it comes to the indigenous people, homelessness, uh, peoples can be tracked back to historical trauma, oppression, racism, and discrimination. It can be argued that it should be considered as a consequence of colonization, exploitation, resulting from the European conquest of North America. I'm talking about residential schools. If you don't know what residential schools are, you have the internet, look up right, residential schools, Canada. The abuse, physical, mental, sexual. And the culture of trauma occurred through, as said, the residential schools. This from the mid-1800s. The last residential school closed in 1996. Who was the pioneer behind the residential schools in the mid-1800s? Sir A. Macdonald, the first Prime Minister of Canada. These children were taken. It wasn't asked to say, oh, you know, we had this wonderful program and we'd like your children to come here and 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 learn, and and, and stuff like that. No. Sir A. McDonald referred to the indigenous people back then as savages. Children were taken, and they were taken hundreds of miles away from their reserves. Placed in these residential schools. Ran by Catholic, Presbyterian, United, and other, and other groups. The use of the residential schools to house and educate Indigenous children. Furthermore, the Sixty Scoop. Which took Indigenous children and placed them in white foster homes within the child welfare system, and that led to unstable families and homes. Many of the pers- personal uses, including uh, family dysfunction, uh, substance use, addiction, and health issues, community violence faced by Indigenous peoples, and the act as contributors to homelessness can be directly linked to various types of of historical trauma. Structural issues can include transitions from reserves to urban living, racism, landlord discrimination, and low levels of education and unemployment. You know, this Really bad incident that happened here in Canada over the weekend the killing rampage. These two indigenous men, brothers, went on a killing rampage, killed 10 people, injured 19. The one brother has two decades. Of criminal charges. And I was reading a little bit about him. From the age of 12. He was already drinking. By 14. He was doing cocaine. He was in and out of the system. Did jail time. And this went on for most of his life. I'm not condoning what he did, but where were the supports? Where were all the support? Where was all the help? Hmm. If you break the law, yes, you get incarcerated. It's supposed to be a deterrent. Doesn't deter anybody. They, the government, agencies, and all the services that are out there were unable to save them. And whatever. Made him and his brother do what they did. I have no idea. He came from an abusive home growing up as a child. Parents, both alcoholics. Abusive relationships. You know, from drugs, alcohol, mental illness, people will say, oh, that's their fault. We don't know these people's history. We don't know where they came from. What kind of upbringing they, they had. People have an addictive personality. People get hooked on drugs and alcohol. People have a mental illness. It's not... Just those people who are homeless, ladies and gentlemen, and the indigenous people, they're not the ones, they're not just the ones. It could be somebody who you know. Maybe you know somebody who is, maybe there's that person that just, you know, is is couch surfing. Before you came on the show, the hidden homelessness here in Canada, the hidden, the ones that you don't even see, on every, on any given night, an estimated of 50,000 Canadians The hidden population are homeless. Living with friends, living with relatives, sleeping in their cars. Some of them even have jobs, they can't afford the rent. You know and as a result is shown, and it's not just you know you know with the you know, with the indigenous people, you know, experiencing low levels, lower levels of education, poorer health, higher rates of unemployment, and lower income levels compared to non indigenous people. There are also serious social issues stemming from the historical trauma, including high incarceration rates and high suicide rates amongst the youth. You know the, the 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 Canadian government last year. You know they they I think it's um, September the thirtieth is Reconciliation Day with the Indigenous people and the survivors of today of these residential schools. And the bodies of these children that they found in these unmarked graves once where the school stood. From back in the mid-1800s, early 1900s. You know, the Pope came to Canada in July. He came to Canada to apologize to the indigenous people of Canada and the way they were treated in this residential school system. He apologized on behalf of the Catholic Church. And that's only just scratching the surface. This is only the beginning of reconciliation. We can say, sorry, a thousand times you only have to say it once and mean it you know newcomers coming to Canada including immigrants and refugees, are at risk of homelessness due to various factors. Poverty. Discrimination. Cuts to social programs. Unrecognized foreign employment and education credentials. See, right now we're in the we're in the middle of a, a um uh, our, our we're in the middle of a healthcare crisis, and there's plenty of people that came to Canada who were nurses in their country. But here, when they come here, we do not recognize their foreign employment and educational uh, credentials. They then would have to go through the nursing program. Here in Canada, whatever province they, they end up living in. We have delays in work permits, mental illness as a result of more and more immigrants and refugees are requiring shelter, drop-in, and other housing services. And it's funny how mental illness keeps coming back into the factors. The newcomers who have become homeless are often different than those who are Canadian-born. They often, you know, adjusting to a new language and culture. And they also face unique challenges with respect to um, employment, health, and legal issues. Shelters and drop-in staff lack the time, skills, or resources to effectively house and shelter newcomers you know we're bringing in refugees from Ukraine and lucky for some they 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 get to when they when they get here there there's people who are Ukraine and they have their their community, and, and they help them. They bring them in, and they help them. Not so lucky for many, for so more, so for so many that don't have that. You know. And of course, when it comes to the face of the unique challenges with respect to employment, health, and legal issues. Whether or not a broad uh, uh, systemic attempts to develop a shelter and drop in services that are accessible and appropriate and responsive to the needs of this population, this is increasing, especially in urban areas. It's a culture shock. It's a language barrier. These people who f- who have fled and who are, are you know fleeing the Ukraine, they're leaving with what they can carry, and that's it. And hoping another country will take. Them. We're having a problem housing our own. Immigration and refugees just keeps adding to the problems because we don't have the affordable housing. For the average Canadian, who's on a waiting list for affordable housing. It's a six to seven year wait. A six to seven year wait. It's unbelievable, you know. You you wouldn't think, you know, in countries like Canada, United States, United Kingdom, and all these these developed countries, if people face homeless all over the world. It's with families with children, the LGBTQ2, people with disabilities, seniors. Now, the National Shelter Study showed that 8.3% of residents of shelters are 55 and older and over. 6.6% of users are aged 54 to 64, 1.3% of users are over the age of 65. And additionally, older adults tended to have longer shelter stays. A month or more before moving into housing compared to younger adults. The research that they did on homeless seniors has shown that the main causes tend to be varied including financial and health related. This includes lack of finances to pay for housing, low government assistance, insufficient pensions, etc. Lack of affordable and secure housing, including conversions of apartments into affordable condominiums. Declining physical health, mental health issues. Again, mental health issues. Relationship breakdown, violence and abuse. And also the risk of homelessness can also be compounded by the death of a spouse. Social isolation, discrimination, a lack of knowledge of benefits and services. Maybe all they have coming in is their Canada Pension Plan and the old age security. Doesn't give you much. Talk about as the shelter population ages the system will need to determine how to address seniors their mental health needs including depression dementia alzheimer's delusional disorders and delirium which are the most common mental illness illness senior canadians seniors in nursing homes and long-term care facilities experience a higher rate of mental illness than in the general population That's just unbelievable. So when you look at it, when when you think about homelessness, I mean, what do you think about? People will think about, well, they're lazy. They chose to be homeless. How in the hell does anybody choose to be homeless? You just wake up one morning with a roof over your head and just say, fuck it, I'm going to be homeless today. I'm going to be homeless for the rest of my life. To the homeless people that you see are the ones on the streets, the ones on the corner, Asking for money. The ones that you see are acting out on on the streets. Once you see coming in and out of the homeless shelters. Those are the ones that you see. and people make up their own about how make up their own mind about how they think that it's their fault Sex workers. The sex trade industry is abroad and encompasses a variety of activities, including escort services, street level sex workers, pornography, exotic dancing, massage parlors, internet work, phone sex operators, and third party support, drivers, managers, bartenders, etc. And for some, Sex work stems from a background of poverty, addiction, lack of education, and abuse. And a significant number of sex workers and survivors of sexual abuse, including rape, sexual assault, and incest. Additionally, many sex sex workers have been part of the child welfare system, adoption, foster care, juvenile detention, and their youth or childhood. And for some people, becoming a sex worker is a, is a conscious and informed act of or choice. This is particularly true for people engaged in the higher-end work, including exotic dancing, pornography, and private escort services. And then you have the sex work, and therefore sex workers are often victimized, marginalized. Violence against sex workers is continual for women working on the street, especially. The fear of kidnapping, rape, physical assault, theft and harassment is constant. Despite sex work being mostly legal in Canada, moralization of sex, especially as, as pertains to women, often causes problems and leads to arrest, harassment. Business and neighborhoods may uh, protest visibly of, of street level sex work in the area leading to police-to-contact sweeps. Some of the people who homeless homelessness turned to sex work as a means of staying alive or obtaining the necessity of the life, known as survival sex. This includes the exchange of sex for money, as well as food, clothing, shelter, or a place to stay. It is particularly common amongst female street youths but also affects men, women, and transgendered individuals of all ages. Single men, single women. The youth. How does that happen? Teenagers. Even younger. Many different terms are used to describe young people who are homeless, including street youth, street kids, runaways, homeless youth, etc. And youth homelessness refers to young people between the ages of 13 to 24 who are living independently of parents and or caregivers and importantly lack many of the social supports deemed necessary for the transition from childhood to adulthood. In these circumstances, they do not have a stable or consistent residence or a source of income, nor do they nor do they necessarily have adequate access to the support networks necessary to foster a safe and nurturing transition into the responsibility of adulthood. You know, over the course of the year, the number of young people who wind up homelessness is at least 35,000. And on any given night, there may be 6,000 homeless youth. Homeless youth may be temporarily living in hostels, staying with friends, living in squats, renting cheap rooms in boarding houses or hotels, or actually living on the streets. These youths some of these youths may be living with other other parents or, or relatives, other people's parents or relatives. And over the course of time, many homeless youth move between these various housing situations. Thus it can be argued that it is instability of their housing situation. And that that characterizes their status as homeless youth. That is just, that's, you know, that is, you know, really concerning, you know, uh, just, you know, imagine. You know, you you had to run away, you had to get out, you you know, from an abusive home life mentally, physically, sexually You know, maybe maybe just maybe just some of them just don't want to abide by the rules. They don't want to live under that curfew anymore. They don't want to have that bedtime anymore. They want to be told when they can play video games and, and whatever, whatever. It's crazy. I mean, growing up, I mean, we always thought that our parents didn't know anything. Their parents know nothing. They don't understand. We probably all thought that. At times, right? And then when you grow up, you say to yourself, Holy shit I Guess our parents knew an awful lot. But for some they don't see that. They don't they don't want the rules. Right? And becoming homeless. Coming homeless then does not just mean a loss of stable housing, but rather leaving a home in which they are embedded in relations of dependence. Thus, experience experience an interruption and in potential rupture in social relations with parents and caregivers, family members, friends, neighbors, and the community. And for all of these reasons and more youth-based strategy and the services that support the strategy must be distinct from the adult sector. And it is also diverse. There are typically more homeless male youth than females. 63% of youth in shelters are male, 30% are female, these are youths, which may be an outcome of the fact that young women are especially at risk of crime and violence, including sexual assault, while homeless, leading them to find alternatives to the streets. And even those alternatives pose either more significant risk, and then finally certain a uh, significant subpopulation of youth are overrepresented, including Aboriginal youth in some cities like Toronto, black youth, finally youth who identifies as le- as as lesbians, gay, bisexual, transgendered, or transsexual, the LGBTQ make up twenty-five to forty percent of the youth homelessness population. Compared to only five to ten percent of the general population, you know, and now, you know, the the uh, municipal government meeting the cities, the provincial, meaning the province, and the federal as the country as a whole, are now calling this a crisis. You know, two years ago, the city of London, Ontario, where I reside, the city come up with a pilot project. They got these office trailers. They had them all refitted, all redone, brand new wiring, put uh, floorboard heaters in. And the pro- and the pilot project was to um, get a group of people, a group of people homeless And it was like a group of people that they, you know, so these from from the shelters and other services that they know that these individuals chosen that they would meet the criteria of being able to be housed and stay with the supports and stay housed. So over the winter months they had these trailers set up. They had a, a one where you could dine in, they had one you could they could get showered. Last winter they did the same thing. And a really unfortunate incident happened. And it was uh, a city owned golf course where the city wanted to put these trailers. And it was going to uh, be a group, it was going to help um, indigenous individuals. Now, some people say, not in my neighborhood. Well, this individual took that to the extreme. See, the city-owned golf course where these trailers were going to go, the city, we haven't used that golf course in years. Had a a clubhouse clubhouse on there where, you know, they uh, were going to do the inside and have a dining area, a place where they could shower. Um, could uh, get the services available to him right there. And this one individual takes it upon himself that I'm not going to have any of this, not in my neighborhood. And he set fire to the clubhouse. And what really upset a lot of people, this individual worked for the city of London. His house was three doors down away from the city-owned golf course where these trailers were going to be placed. His house was up for sale. To make a long story short, and it really pissed off a lot of people, they dropped the charges of arson. If that were me or you, Ladies and gentlemen, that did that, you'd bet your sorry ass that you'd be charged with arson. This guy decades ago, I mean he's my age. He's like he's like sixty. He's my age. Decades ago he was in the Canadian military. Canadian military way back when, we weren't even involved in any conflicts around the world. He went into the military after high school. Got an education. came out of the military. Did other jobs and then finally ended up working for the city. Oh, somehow that exonerates him from committing a crime? And we try to help people. They had to move that location to the south end of the city. Because there's one asshole and like so many people out there, not in my neighborhood. We talk about safe injection sites. Not my neighborhood. Not going to have it. Like I said, people don't ask to be homeless. They don't just wake up one day and decide, huh, had enough of having a shelter over my a roof over my head. You know, I had enough paying bills. Hell with it. I'm homeless. It's not how it worked. Rationalized communities, the visible minorities, the term rationalized, you know, communities encompasses all people who are uh, uh, non-caucasian in race or non-white in color. Aboriginal peoples in Canada are are sometimes excluded from the definition, But but should not be. You know, increasing the term racialized communities is replacing visible minorities because in many municipalities, a population of people who are non-white make up the majority, not a minority of the overall population. You know, the, the, uh, the systemic and the institutionalized racism often constitutes the homelessness amongst these communities. Dispro- uh, disproportionate rates of in- incarceration, higher drop or rates for education, barriers to unemployment, discri- discrimination and seeking government assistance all lead to people becoming homeless regionalized communities. You know, the full-time, the rate of the full-time employment of regionalized Canadians is lower than the Canadian average. And income levels are also lower. And the demands for labor market flexibility, have disproportionately exposed racialized communities to, to contract temporary part-time and shift work with poor job security, low wages and benefits. Why? Well, maybe it come from, from Iran, Iraq. They come from Pakistan. They're black or Chinese. And like again, they when when it, when it comes to when when it comes to racialized communities, recent immigrants, many of whom were from. Regionalized communities have been experienced declining earnings in employment outcomes despite educational credentials that have been higher on average than those of, of, Native, of native-born Canadians, and this suggests that the real problem is not their skill level, but the extent to which these skills are not accepted and effectively utilized in the Canadian workplace. It is important that shelters are prepared to adapt to the diversity of needs of of racialized communities, including food, nutrition, varied diet, prohibitions of of types of food or methods of preparation, options for um, religious accommodations and creating safe space and cultural awareness, acceptance, We all don't eat the same thing, and besides, everybody has a very uh, a very diet. Vegans come to mind. People from different parts of the world don't eat meat. Shelters get what they get. These are donations. In 2016... I volunteered in a homeless shelter. And the donations come in, whether it's food, whether it's clothing, or whether it is hygiene, or women's products. The shelters get what they get. And this is going to be very difficult when they're talking about food and nutrition and the varied diets and the types of foods. The government, at all levels, the federal, provincial, and the municipality government, social services, and all the services out there We need a solution. And we need it now. We needed it yesterday. It's a slow moving process. In identifying all of the different Problems and trying to find the solutions that is going to meet everybody of whatever cultural background we come from. A 10-year process. The pandemic is not over. I read articles and and people are talking about, oh, the post-pandemic. Nobody said it was over. We're gonna be coming into the cold and flu season and we still have COVID. And we're hoping that we do not have to resort and go backwards. Close down businesses, stay-at-home orders. We don't want any of that. And like I said, on top of that, homeless crisis, healthcare crisis, cost-of-living crisis. And we need to find real solutions that are permanent, that are going to work. But I want to thank you for taking the time to come out this evening here on the Truckers Podcast. FYI, it is Wednesday. It is 10.05 p.m. here in Southern Ontario. Enjoy the rest of your week. And like I said, here in London, Ontario, for the first time in a little over two years, the Western Fair returns starting this Friday the 9th. It runs till the 18th. So that's something that you like to, you like going to the fairs, you like the rides, you like the food. Go and have fun school is back college universities public schools everybody is back in class let's hope it can stay that way have a good week ladies and gentlemen I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me. Take care and thank you.